Well, hello there, and welcome to Dropping the Ball. I'm Andrew, and with me today is my co-host, Luke. How you doing, Luke? It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while, but everything's good. I think we're both in, uh, in, in very different, but very busy parts of our lives, and uh, we've had to, to deal with some of those things, and it's definitely been, uh, you know, a, a very exciting stuff we've been able to, to do, and very just regular life stuff, too, but it's it's nice that we're able to sit down and do this, because this has definitely been in the back of our minds the whole time that we've been kind of, you know, leading our, our normal lives as well. Yeah, pretty much. I think it's safe to say we all have our things going on. Uh, COVID is still running rampant across the world, but seems to be getting progressively better, which is good, which will only help us out from a standpoint of finding a little bit more time that's appropriate to be able to do the things that we need to do, especially as we talk about our video series. Yeah, that's true. I think I think that it's also the COVID stuff has really been hard on sports. It has. Where, where I, I've got a bunch of friends who are Premier League fans, and we're all kind of split on how much do we care? I mean, we want to be really into it, and and I think we all care about the games and the and the final table and stuff like in, in sports like that. And, right. But I think there are some sports that are better suited for, for the empty house, like we were talking about in, in the NBA, where you go to an NBA game, depending on the part of the country you're going to it in. It's already empty. And it's yeah, it's all of the sound. That and might change in Charlotte soon, though. Sure. They look pretty exciting. Yeah, but, you know, the, the sound of the stadium is all through the speakers anyway. The, the loud right. speaker, defense, and they even do the fake bleacher stomp and stuff. Like, true, it's, true. A lot of that's all kind of stadium-focused anyway. I don't know about football games. I don't go to enough NFL games to really know, but... I think the one that suffered the most has been our one of our favorites ever, which is college basketball. Absolutely. College basketball just isn't the same as we just finished the conference tournaments and the selection for the NCAA tournament. I think it's safe to say there's some big names that, that missed the mark. Our poor Blue Devils were one of those that first time in 25 years, I believe, that you won't see the Duke Blue Devils. And regardless of your fan allegiance, unless you're a Chapel Hill fan, it just doesn't feel right. And I would say even with them, right, they get a lot of joy out of watching us struggle in the first and second round sometimes. So I think they would even want us to be in because they would have looked forward to us losing in the first round this year. Right. What do you think, Carolina fans? I, I kind of with Luke on this one. I think you would prefer to see us get beat as a high seed than right. to not get in. Yeah. But then again, I was pretty excited the few times Carolina didn't make it in. So Well, sure. I mean, at least there's at, that. At least we we really uh, stuck their noses in it. I don't know if I was if I was really in retrospect 100% uh, 100% happy about it because I did I did get told a couple of times by Carolina fans that you you wait, it'll happen to you guys too. I mean, we lost the greatest coach of all time and look what happened to us. What do you think is going to happen when you guys lose coach K? And, you know, here we are. They could be right. They could be very right. But I think today we're going to be getting into a into an interesting conversation about NC, the NCAA, which is our topic for the day. So, first and foremost, you want to talk a little bit about the NCAA as it stands right now. I mean, we've had major teams like UVA not even be able to, to finish their their conference title. Duke didn't finish. Kansas didn't finish. Kansas didn't finish. And, and they're, they're now moving into the NCAA tournament. So it's it's cool to see teams like Illinois as a one seed and Baylor as a one seed, which is – Baylor has happened before. but Georgia Tech winning the ACC Georgia tournament. Georgia Tech and Florida State fighting for the NCAA tournament. Florida State being the best team in the ACC all season long. It's just it's interesting stuff, and Michigan's a number one. That's the first time that Michigan's been been a number one since Juwan Howard, who is their coach, was 
on the Fab Five, which right. is pretty cool. Right, so that's cool. been a while. Illinois as well. So you've got two two Big Ten teams in as number ones. And then Gonzaga looks like, for real, yeah. the team to beat. Yeah. We they've, they've been top two seeds for as far back as I can remember, at least in the conversation for top four seeds. And here we are. They're the number one overall seed. And they look to be the team to beat. And this is the year where, where a smaller conference team like Gonzaga absolutely has a chance. And it was the Big Ten, I believe, that set a record for most teams. And not that they don't typically send a few, but for them to break records that are traditionally held by the ACC, sometimes the SEC, maybe the Big 12. It's it's some pretty impressive stuff, but it also kind of tells you the landscape Mm -hmm. of college basketball. Think about those teams like Duke. Duke might have been a much better team had the Cameron Crazies been there. Because sure. if you look at their line scores, they n- never really lost a game by less than seven points. And so you add in the element of the crowd and the loudness factor, and all of those weren't at home, but it does make a difference on both ends. They could have also won a couple games right. that they traditionally would have lost. Yeah. Had they been the away team, because they were three and nine in games that finished with a single digit spread, right? So, so like they that, just didn't get shows. a lot of luck. They they didn't have all those those home homebrew kind of deals that everybody usually accuses of Duke. Maybe it's true. I mean, I'm not saying that as a Duke fan I believe it, but that would be that's hard to argue against when you don't have the crowd and all that in your place that you keep dropping games. And it's it's also been something that we see a team like Kentucky who was. Far worse than Duke. They were sub 500, 16, and I can't remember what it was. It was it was bad. I mean, it was a, it was a bad situation for them. And you hate to see these blue bloods do it, but at least in in the the mighty the have to fall side, it every now and right. Then. At least on the opposite side, you are getting to see some of these teams that usually wouldn't get much time in the spotlight out there. Now, what's it going to do to to viewership of the NCAA tournament this year? That's we're, we'll we're only going to be able to tell after you know after it's all said and done. But I, I know one area on. that's going to get a, a a big bump in viewership. It's the University of North Carolina, but not Chapel Hill, ladies and gentlemen. Greensboro. Greensboro. Yeah, we're we've uh, our alma mater has made it in there as a 13 seed, which is incredible considering coming from the Southern Conference. Typically, even if a team wins their championship, while they're guaranteed right to be in the tournament, they've got their at-large bid, so to speak. They end up with an 18, 17. It was just two years ago that UNCG just missed Kentucky, beating Kentucky yeah. in the first round. But unfortunately for UNCG, their first game is going to be against Florida State, who is the best team in the ACC. And but they're that's a not big saying, team. That's not saying a whole, whole lot. But UNCG is not a very big team. So if they can get past Florida State, then they got to deal with either Colorado or Georgetown. And then most likely coming out of the top half of the East is going to be Michigan, who's going to have to come up against uh, LSU or uh, St. Bonaventure in the second round. So UNC, UNCG could be up against a Michigan team, maybe up, do, do a little upset. The bottom half of that, we've got Alabama and you know teams like Connecticut and Maryland in there, Texas, BYU. Maybe if if there's some some luck there, they might be able to get the at least question to the is, Sweet Sixteen. I mean, that'd be great, right? Can the be question a is, will Isaiah Miller be the next Steph Curry of the NCAA tournament? That'd because be cool. we all know that that's the only reason Davidson made it to the Elite Eight, and it was solely because Seth Curry is a monster. Steph Curry, not Seth. Apologies. Uh, <laughs> Steph Curry is a Dubai. monster. Now Seth <laughs> is doing really well in the NBA Dubai. for himself, but. I vividly remember seeing Steph Curry multiple times beat UNCG with no hands. 
Yeah, it's true. So we'll see. Hopefully we can have a, a fun little run, a Cinderella story for our, our alma mater. Can we get one win? Get one win would be nice. That'd be huge. To be it's a hard one. So it'd be really but cool. But we did beat State a few years back. It true. can be done. We can beat an ACC team every once in a while. So And it's the tournament. And I think Wes Miller's done a really great job with the team. And he's he's gotten it to a great place. Uh, consistently a decade. Performing he's been now. there for a decade. And it's kind of, that's a worrying time frame now, right? Because he's won the SOCON. He's won the SOCON tournament. Is there going to be some headhunting going on, or some? I think he likes conferences? being there. I, I don't he does. know. I mean, but as much as I I don't like saying it, I like Wes Miller. You think he's sitting around waiting for the UNC position? Maybe. I mean that that could be a, that would a, make a, sense. I mean, that's in a sense what's going to ultimately happen with Duke, right? Uh, same thing with Carolina and and most big time programs, yeah. unless there's just some huge name that happens to come off the list, like say Rick Pitino, you know, going yeah. and and he's back in the tournament already. Uh, he is. Y- you're you're gonna get you know one of your sure. Legacies, one of your players that's out coaching. You know, Carolina's got a couple out there. Duke's got a couple out there. Especially in a big moment of transition from a major historic coach. Because let's be honest, Roy Williams is, is going to be – he's one of the greatest coaches of all Absolutely. time. Absolutely. So, after him, after Kay, we're, you, you need to go back to, to a familiar person to keep your fan And it needs to just engaged. be young because those types of programs aren't known for – staff turnover right you know carolina's had what three coaches in our lifetime uh they had you know of course of well, course at least four four because it was it was uh darty and uh and um what's his name we had we had smith right immediately after that it starts with the g uh Maybe it was Darty and then him. He was an assistant older guy. You're right. What's there, his name? I can't remember his name, but Gosh, there, there were there uh, were two. So so but in, in the last thirty years that we've been around, thirty plus years, there's been four coaches. Realistically, there's been two. Because those two coaches didn't last very long. Right. Darty was awful and and he didn't get the job done. And then they had the opportunity to to steal Roy Williams. Yeah, I mean, so come on, you know, you you're dealing with with some some good coaches there, it's it, out there that are currently active in the league. So Guthridge, Guthridge, Guthridge. Uh, how could we forget? Yeah, Guthridge. So both of those guys though were were kind of what's going to have to happen at you at, at Duke, where you're going to have to burn some guys and and basically destroy their careers to be able to get beyond Coach K, right? And then you can bring in a, an established guy and, like, like UNC did with Roy. Duke Williams. has a a handful of good good coaches out there. Unfortunately, lost one to. Utah Jazz, but who would have ever thought? Yeah. So anyway, so let's let's get to our to our topic today. What do you think? So what we what we were talking about the other day, we were sitting around and we were seeing all of these big blue blood schools that are really underperforming and missing the tournament, and it got us thinking about the landscape of college basketball and how that could end up changing in the future. But currently, where we're standing, we wanted to also talk about what's the greatest team in terms of product and in terms of they go on to the next level in the NBA and they succeed or at least they make it to the NBA because no one's in the NBA that doesn't deserve to be there they they've they've established themselves at the highest level other than the NBA and then they attempt to to make it so we're not only counting the the all-star level guys but we're just counting production of talent coming out of college into the NBA all time so Andrew did a little bit of research into it, and he found a couple articles that we can post on our, in our description to this episode, so you guys can check it out too. And we're going to break down who the greatest all-time is. This is going to be 
just from the perspective of, of sort of the that NBA talent going forward, there's tons of other ways to do it in terms of titles that they've won and uh, individual awards in college and stuff, but we're not really going to touch on that too awful much. We're just talking about the, going to the next level, who's produced the most talent. So, Andrew, where are we at in all that? How do we want to talk about this? Yeah, so I think the best way to go about it, because you can look at this conversation a couple different ways. I mean, first, are we looking at the entire time that the NBA has been around with the the progression of college athletes going into the NBA, or are we looking more recent? I think all of that does play into this. Sure. Obviously, more pertinent to us and to our listeners is really more of what's been happening the last 15 or so years as we've become adults and really grown passionate about these sports. But you have to look at, first, again, what colleges are putting them out there in sheer quantity, because in quantity doesn't necessarily mean quality, but given just standard stat, uh, stats and statisticians would tell you that more quantity probably translates to more quality. So you have to kind of think about it and take some of that for a grain of salt. You've got teams uh, that, that have had the most put up there, but it doesn't mean that they're the best out there. Kentucky's got the leading number of NBA players that have just been in there. You've got UCLA. A lot of the UCLA talent was a little bit older where uh, from the past, whereas the, the newer is Kentucky. Uh, you've got Duke, which has really put in a, a handful of NBA talent and, and top performing talent over the last decade or so. Carolina's had a little bit more of the role player Tight, but they have a lot of people. Also of course, Michael Jordan. They do have Michael Jordan, so that's always going to keep Carolina kind of at the top of this list. Yeah. But then it also comes into play back to the: Are we looking at overall or really current and what's moving forward? Because talents do change. Yeah. MJ is arguably the greatest, but at a certain point, maybe someone doesn't overtake him. Take that mark. Obviously, you have LeBron. You've got Kobe. They're kind of in that conversation. Right. Neither went to college, however. Kevin Garnett. So you can't really there. use those. Great his- so historical talent. There, there's a handful of players that, that would have really turned the tide because you have someone like Kobe who said he would have went to Duke. Yeah. And that would have immediately, potentially put Duke as the best one, sure. even if you don't deem Kobe as the actual GOAT. Right. So there's a lot of kind of layers to this conversation that we could really dive into. But... I think we should start and let's look at where where we're at now. Yeah. Who's who's out there? What schools have have the number of talents and then what schools have the best talents yeah. that that we see would be long-term superstars and actually making that superstar level thus increasing the capacity of what that university did. Yeah, cuz like you said, I mean in terms of the all-time numbers, right? Kentucky 107, UCLA 97, North Carolina 90, Duke 83, Kansas 72, and then there's a pretty good drop off down to the Indianas and the Louisvilles and the the Notre Dame and Arizona and St. John's and stuff, but like you said, I mean, when you're talking about a team that's produced 83 even if you're looking at Duke, or 90. I mean, that's such a long history of of success there that it, it does get hard to quantify where they really sit in in the modern conversation because I mean, UCLA has some good players in the league right now, but most of that 107 is coming from a period when they were winning like 11, in that, 11 national championships and stuff. Right. So, so, and unfortunately, I think opinions about this, because so many of us missed that kind of an era, 
it's it gets very difficult for us to actually put that into like a, a real context of of where we stand today looking at the game you know and, because, and for our old heads we want to know matter. what you guys think yeah. because obviously this conversation is going to be slightly biased towards that because the the larger majority of our listeners are kind of in that mid 20s to lower 40s range where you call kind of the tail end of Michael you call it the tail end of uh, Elijahwan and Johnson and all of them, but you you and but you really got excited when the Kobe and the the Kobe era started, the James era started, and and so on and so forth. Yeah, so let's start at kind of at the at this conversation about modern the modern players, and I guess we're gonna we're gonna talk about numbers, and then we're gonna also try and think about who some of these who some of these teams are in terms of identity in the NBA today. Right. So. Where do you want to start on that? Do we want to pick a number that's going to be kind of our cutoff, or do we want to just maybe start around double digits? Where, where Double digits is where, it, is where it really starts to count. Well, I think the first one we want to talk about, since a big part of our episode is the Blue Bloods, is Carolina. Sure. Where does Carolina stand? Because they are, correct me if I'm wrong, the third most in the NBA currently, or not currently, but overall. But right now, as it stands, Carolina doesn't have that superstar out there. The true. last true superstar that they really had, you could consider maybe Vince Carter, uh, and who just retired after playing in three different decades. Basically. Harrison Barnes, Harrison had a good Barnes, early career. He's got superstar accolades in terms of titles because he's played on good teams. Danny Green, another great role player that you'll never really find them as the stat leader in a game, but they they have an, an integral part. Of the game, yeah. So that that puts them in conversation for having top talent, but I think Carolina is one of those teams right now, at least as it as it's seen, because their youngest, probably best talent out there right now is Colby White, who just got out there and he's doing well, st- barring he stays healthy. They're one of the lower teams on the list as far as overall superstar potential right now. Right now, at this moment, yeah. How many guys are on that kind of superstar level? level uh, contract in terms of length and value. And you, you can see that in terms of overall right now, they're contributing about $5.4 million in terms of the 2020 average cap hit, right. which is pretty good. But it's, and they've I mean, got pretty decent overall earnings. Right, but when you're looking at some of the other people, people in that top 10 of the average 2020 cap hit, they're just not quite there. And in terms of their earnings, they're bringing in around $518 million for all of their players. That's, of course, right. 2020 numbers here. We don't have the 2021 available right now. So that's that's a, without guys like Cole, but he's... he's and that's with a little bit of it. I don't... Well, no. I think they got the full salary in 2020 because they played most of the season. Now, one one argument could be had that Carolina is ranked a little bit lower than they should be because these players, from a college perspective, had long longer term success at their university as compared to some of the other teams on the name because Carolina, because of their uh, the investigation with the, the academic fraud claims and all of that, it did prohibit the ability for Roy Williams and company to really go out and get those one-on-one players during that prominent time where that became so prevalent for college success. Now we've seen that Carolina has still maintained a high level of competitiveness most seasons during that time, but it does make for a different argument. So for the college standpoint, yeah, sure. I think that Carolina's probably been one of the better NCAA teams, if not a top three team overall success 
and putting NBA players out at high quality. And if we're counting just numbers in, but in just that conversation, not, they they, are. they don't have the best NBA talent right. out there. And so there's two right. sides of this argument. Right. So not to knock Carolina by any means, what they're doing is highly successful. Sure. And it is, it is, uh, it's definitely sustained excellence. And currently right now they have 14 players active in the NBA. And a kind of an interesting foil to that, like a, an opposite situation, is the team that finishes just below them on the list, which is UCLA, who have 12 active players. But in comparison to UNC's active 2020 cap hit, they've got 14 million because, of course, Russell Westbrook is in that is in that number there, and they're in total bringing in 917 million dollars in current in terms of earnings in 2020 once again because of guys like Russell Westbrook so I think that it's is very different in terms of of those because that's that's the difference of having even just one superstar on your on your kind of history books of of a team because having just Russell Westbrook on there takes you into the stratosphere and Drew Holiday is there as well in terms of adding to those numbers wasn't a huge deal at UCLA, but is now playing on the Bucks. Has the potential to to help them make it to the to the finals. You've also got Zach Levine and Trevor Ariza and and Kevin Love, who are who are UCLA guys, who have, especially with Ariza and Love are long term guys. And now Zach Levine really seeming to come into his own as as a as a franchise player. Maybe not at the highest level, but he can be the franchise player of a team the size of the Bulls with the expectation of the Bulls, right. and, and that does count. So UCLA with with two superstars and a third consistent all-star right now, and a, a formerly a guy like Love who is still sitting on, kind of like on his laurels here, because you're going to pay him a lot of money because of what he's been able to do in his career. Right. So that's the difference between a Carolina and and a, and a UCLA. Carolina having more players active, but UCLA with 12 having bigger name, bigger money players. And so I would think really, even in my mind, if we had to kind of combine all of that, maybe a UCLA would technically be a little bit higher even than, than Carolina on on the Overall impact. talent impact. Yeah, exactly. Correct. So in, in UCLA, you can argue that they're one of the best. If not if not the best, there's a couple out there that could be arguing for that top spot. One one another name that, you know, comes in with that blue blood, you've got the Kansas Jayhawks. Right. And so the Kansas Jayhawks, they, they've got really their biggest name, as, as we know, are, is Joel, M, Joel Embiid. And he is a super tall talent. He's right now probably the leading candidate for MVP. But after that, you don't have as many big names. You've got, you've got let's see, you've got Devontae Graham, who's doing pretty well in, in Charlotte. He's kind of up and down. Josh Jackson, another good long-term player that's been around for a little while. Ben McLemore, another player that's been around for a while. Markeith and Marcus Morris, both of those guys are, are great role players. So, and, and then Oubre Jr. So you've got some good players that have come from Kansas that, that you've got an MVP-like player. Obre Jr. is probably the next level on yeah. on there with Ben McLemore, maybe. The Morris brothers are a little bit lower. So you you kind of have that again. That's right there in the middle. But they've also have been a little bit more like Carolina in the terms that they've had a little longer they've had longevity with their program with players sticking around a little bit longer. They've had, of course, a few one and dones that came in and came out during this time. But they kind of fall in that same era or area that those other three teams do, kind of around the middle. And I would say that the other team that is almost UNC to a T 
have three fewer talent because also, like we were just talking about there, uh, both these teams, and we've just talked about it and this one now, we're talking about 11 active players in the league. And that's going to be the Arizona Wildcats, who in terms of their talent, Alonzo Trier, Iguodala, Aaron Gordon, Laurie Markkinen, DeAndre Ayton, these are guys that... For them, I think Arizona is actually more underperforming in terms of the expectation on Absolutely. all of those. But in terms of their finances, where's Chase Jeter? Oh, who knows? Golly, <laughs> maybe he went back to live with his dad, Derek. Uh, so I think I think that in general, Arizona is is even closer to Carolina because they've got eleven guys in the NBA. They aren't making a lot of money. They aren't super big name. And also, they, as a, as a university, struggled with scandal, though Arizona's was a bit a bit larger than Carolina's and a, a bit more evidence for it with uh, Sean Miller actually calling calling players and, and offering them stuff over the telephone. We've got right. records of this stuff. So Big no-no. So I think that that kind of really rounds us out in terms of, in terms of that, other than maybe one other school that will really make a particular note of. And... As we've seen right now, really, so what we've done is we've kind of put a, a team like UCLA around three, and we've sort of done a tie between teams like Carolina, Arizona, Kansas, rounding out our top uh, about seven there. So the the last team in that top seven that I think is tough to, to place in that will be a team like Texas, who have 11 active players on, on the NBA on NBA rosters. They've got $12 million in salary, which is only second in the top 10 or so to uh, UCLA, who has $14 million, and they've pulled in $860 million in salary and earnings in 2020. And that's once again because of Westbrook's former teammate, Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. And, and obviously we all know who Kevin Durant is. When healthy, arguably the best player in the NBA with really only two or three others that could even come close to that. So yeah, you have him who's a huge superstar talent. He'll be in a hall, he'll be in the hall when his career's over, even if it ended today. He's a multiple-time champion now when going over to the Golden State Warriors. But along with Texas, you have the likes of LaMarcus Aldridge, who's had a highly, highly successful career in San Antonio. Well, he was a huge superstar at Portland, too, because he was, he was right. there with Dame first. And I think, unfortunately, since he was out there in the West, it's kind of hard to to follow him as East Coast people, as actually anybody living anywhere but the Northwest, because I think that Dame misses him the most out of teammates that he had, because that that was a pretty good pairing. Whereas McConnell doesn't quite do enough different from Dame, and right. if you've got two powerful guards coming at you, it's kind of easier to shut that down than a, a fantastic guard and a fantastic power forward center type guy right. who has an inside out game like like what. Marcus Aldridge did. He's just getting really old. He is so, getting old, he, so, and it looks like he's on the move. So, and it looks like he's on the move too. So, I, I think that that's the a, Celtics. That, yeah, right. That seems to be the Celtics are on everybody's wish list right now. Uh, John Collins, we saw earlier today, is also apparently going that direction. And I, I would then say now we're down to the top three in terms of talent because really the top two. I'm sorry that 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 are fighting for dominance right now in the NC from the NCAA to NBA transition there, and it's the two teams that have been sort of accused of doing the one and one and done the hardest. Everyone's angry because they've done it the best. Because they have the prettiest color jerseys. And and as much as I hate 
the Kentucky Wildcats. I can't lie; it's a it's a beautiful blue. It's a beautiful blue. So the I last they call them stop calling themselves Big Blue, right? So because the last only two one Big Blue, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> the smallest school in the top ten, but it, either way, exactly. Yeah. So you've got two schools in the Kentucky Wildcats and the Duke Blue Devils. Now, of course, we try to set all of bias aside. This isn't. We're not making this conversation because we're Duke fans and we think that they they're the best because the Duke Blue Devils are the best ever. They are. Clearly, we showed we we weren't this year, but that's okay. The mighty must eventually fall. But both True. of these teams have have done exceptionally well at at recruiting top NBA talent and putting it out there. Whether they played eleven games. Or they played one season. You've got a couple that, that did stick around for two. So at the end of the year, or at the end of the day, they have that talent that right now, based on all metrics, is going to land them in the Hall of Fame for basketball. Right. And so the argument is, which one is, is truly better? I, I think that personally, if I'm having to pick between the two, even though I'm, I'm diehard Duke and when we're thinking about Duke as a team, we're thinking about a, a pretty talented group of guys with Kyrie Irving and J.J. Redick and Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum, Marvin Bagley, Zion now really kind of coming into his own, plus a bunch of guys that we get made fun of. And then comparing that to Kentucky with De'Aaron Fox and John Wall and Devin Booker and Anthony Davis and Carl Anthony Towns. And if you're you're putting these guys in a five-on-five five against each other. I That's going to be one hell of a game to watch. But I think Kentucky's going to win. Kentucky's going to win. Now, this is where some of the argument comes from. When you look at results, Duke has technically had better results on the national scale than in from 2010 to now. So the last decade that one-and-dones have really been a big part of the game. You've got two championships to one with Kentucky. Now, we all know that... One of those years, they should have won it all. They finished, what, 38-1, and 39-1. Sure. I think that was Anthony Davis's season. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I, I do agree that Kentucky does have the better talent, at least right now. Now, we're going to see because you've got Jason Tatum, who is an up-and-coming star. It's only his third season, and so he is looking to be a potential long-term superstar. He's relatively healthy. He doesn't he doesn't require much time off. Now, COVID's knocked him off his feet this year, but that's something that we couldn't have even – that's not a torn ACL that you expect to happen. You've got Brandon Ingram, who has also just gotten a big contract down in New Orleans. That looking he's great. he's looking really great. You've got a really big name that we didn't mention because it the the article that we we really researched. You've got Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and R.J. Barrett. So you've got two other really star athletes. Cam Reddish looks like he's going to be probably a role. Cam player. Reddish is going to be, I think, someone on the long along the lines of a Danny Green, a Harrison Barnes. If he can get on the right team, Atlanta's not that team. He can surprise us though. I mean, he's got he's got a lot of he's potential. got the potential. And then you've got some you've got a lot of other nice role players in the Jones brothers. Uh, you've got in in the last. 15 years, Gerald Henderson, who had a really strong, yeah. long career, never really did much great stuff. Uh, Josh McRoberts. Josh McRoberts, Sha- Lou Alding, <laughs> Carlos Boozer. Boozer's probably like a little bit higher tier. Ding, ding so was in that. Ding was up there too. 2004, so 2005. You've, you've got a handful of, of, of good long-term role players yeah. that didn't have that they, – they, they'll probably end up in the hall for – just because the, the hall for – 
NBA isn't for the NBA. It's all of basketball. And I think that's something that most fans may not understand that when you have the, uh, the major league hall of fame, major league baseball hall of fame, the NFL hall of fame, that's only based on their accolades from the professional league. Whereas, whereas basketball, it's the, the Naismith basketball hall of fame. So it's not just their NBA success. So that's something also to take into account. Carolina is going to have a lot of those players and it's going to be because of their college career and their long-term success in the NBA. So that does hold weight for them, of course. But again, goes back to Kentucky just having the talent there. They've got the highest paid players out of the bunch. They they have the the best the best of the players right now because Anthony Davis has been in the league longer and he's been that high caliber player with a little bit of an asterisk of his of his health because he does struggle with with leg issues pretty frequently. I would know because of my fantasy basketball. But at the end of the day, in in relation to the conversation, I do think that Duke would be number two on this list yeah. with with Kentucky number one on this list. And, and that's okay, but what I really think is great about this, because our conversation isn't just about NBA or NCAA, it's about the Blue Bloods. When you look at those top seven, there's a hue of blue in just about all of those. Oh, absolutely. And I would say that really when you're looking at it too, this is of course 2020, so we'll add three or four to each of these numbers. So Kentucky is 29 active players, so they'd be probably right now, I'd figure. I think they're like 32. 32. Uh, I don't know if some of their older guys have retired. Same thing for Duke. Right. Duke adding four or so to that, that'd be 27 to 31. Correct. Uh, and I, Carolina I added, I think, retired. two. Yeah, so, so, so really, they're 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 like they're 16. like sixteen. So, but the difference between Kentucky and Duke, you can see it at the next level of that twenty twenty uh, stat lines in terms of finances, where Kentucky is currently averaging a cap hit in twenty twenty of nine point seven three eight, and Duke is only hitting six point nine nine one, which means those contracts and that that salary cap hit as well, because you can see in earnings, Kentucky is one point one three billion. Right. right now, and Duke is seven hundred and seventy million. Now, so two hit, contracts we we yeah. we we can't factor in yet because right. Jason Tatum right. hasn't gotten a big contract. Exactly. He's going to end up with a max type deal, Ingram and then Ingram one. just got one, and Zion. then Zion's going to ultimately get one. RJ is going to get one. So that that of course Barrett could change at least from a financial standpoint. Sure. But we can't always look at financials. No. But but, that, but, but the, right the, now that gives us yeah. a good kind yeah. of. Where we are today. The reason that we're talking about even that is just we can see that the Duke contracts are a lot younger. Correct. Than the the Kentucky. Just because if they're only one player apart, what we're seeing is that Kentucky was a little bit better a little bit earlier a couple years ago in terms of the one and done, which we can see. Because Kyrie's probably the the player that is closest related to Anthony Davis. And and we know that Kyrie's suffered contract-wise from his, you know, just how he— presents himself in certain occasions and that's fine. I, I, I've never really been against some of his stances because I, I see where he's coming from. Flat Earth one's a little weird. The Flat Earth one is a little weird, but at the end of the day, and injuries have also hampered him from a standpoint of having high levels of success, but he is also an NBA champion too. Sure, sure. So that's something to consider. Anthony Davis just got his, whereas Kyrie has his yeah. and has had his for a few years. And the tiebreakers, they both got it with LeBron. LeBron, so would you be able so, to do it without him? I don't think so. So I because he wor- he works his butt off every 
finals game and just makes one other guy look pretty good. So I think I think in terms and, of and he's 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 got a knack yeah. for having one player, Ray Allen, yeah. Kyrie, bail Anthony out. Davis, bail him out, bail him out once. once, and then he's like, all right, sorry y'all, I had a little, little lapse, so we got this. That's now. all he needs. He <laughs> needs somebody to take care of it exactly. one time out of six or four or five, however many they have to play, and. And he's fine. So I think that uh, I think that's kind of the the gist of it all. If we're really kind of going back and breaking it down again, we're we're saying we think that Kentucky's probably right now for the next couple years going to still be the best, the, the best historically in terms of the the entire history with a recency bias because we are talking about the impact today in our, in, in the product that we're watching right now. If we unfortunately, if you look at the long term too. Kentucky still wins that one, so it's you know it's it doesn't matter. Kentucky's the greatest. Kentucky all time is the greatest of all no time right now because they have 107. You, you can see a little bit more fluctuation with teams like Carolina if you add in 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 the fact that they have Michael Jordan. You could see UCLA jumping up a little bit, maybe above Duke because of uh, Hakeem and so, have a 97 and total in so, history. So, right, you know, so you've got a couple that a couple ways that that those teams can kind of shift around if you make the conversation overarching as compared to, again, we're a little bit more current with what we're talking about. But a huge argument that you could probably make is that, okay, so in UCLA's day as well, I believe the the, the NCAA tournament was a much smaller thing. The NBA playoffs was a much smaller thing. So I think that there's, there's kind of some funny moments in all of that in terms of breaking it down. So it's almost like you could say that some of that early stuff, basically almost in like the, the early Carolina era, and up through the seventy to the mid eighties, even or, or so, is almost one era of right. of basketball. And then since like the emergence of Jordan, basically, and up through to today, is a bit closer of the same era than, right. than before Jordan. The game has changed, but pre pre Jordan was significantly yeah. different than than it is. And it's now because he he revolutionized like you can see in the in the documentary Correct. The shoe game and Correct. it's everybody now wants their own shoe or at least they used to and that's kind of becoming a bit more difficult and some some of the major manufacturers until are, are until people. you see people like Zion blowing out Paul George's the Greek freak shoe is awesome though everybody <laughs> should get one so uh, it's it's tricky there right because now we're kind of about to emerge into a maybe a a, a clearly defined third era because now. Jordan is still a dominant brand and everything. He'll continue to be for a long, long time. But I think that now with it's more of it's not the players themselves that are deciding it. It's now that there there are going to be changes to the college game that are going to open up the opportunity for players to monetize themselves. And well, and then let's go let's go in on that a bit. Well, so you have that. You also have the new CBA that's going to be taken care of this summer. So between those two things, you might see, we, we don't know, they, they've been pretty closed-lipped about it, which I understand the NBA has always been great, much unlike the MLB and, where, the NFL. and the NFL, where everything is out in the open at all times, which is super frustrating, especially when you talk about the COVID conversation. Sure. But you could see the NBA shift one of two ways. They're either going to go backwards now that the G League is really – prominent and has become a good feeder minor league system you might see them shift back and say you 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 don't have to be 19 you can be 18 and enter the draft 
You're going to have more teams. They may have to extend the draft to maybe three rounds for lottery. That would be something they would consider doing because then you're drafting for the G League to an right, extent. Right, exactly. They might protect it where you, you, can't right. be, you can't be a certain age to be on an NBA roster, but you can be a certain age to have a contract with an NBA right. team. So there's going to be some interesting dynamics to what that decision is. The other angle would, and this is where the college basketball fan in me would like to see it, Either way, I think it's going to help the college game because then you're not going to have people going in and then coming immediately out because they the only reason they're going is because they don't want to just go early to the G League because you can do that. Right. Or you, you don't want to go overseas, which you can do that. You you might see a you have to be now 20 to go into the NBA and, and do that. And so then you're still going to have those better players potentially choose to go the G League route because they can play that. They just can't go on a two-way contract or be promoted. It's fewer games. It's less intense. The guys are bigger, so stronger, we'll more experienced. So we'll how that changes the landscape. Yeah. And then the other side, so that's all NBA. That has nothing to do with the NCAA. No. Well, then the NCAA has to make some decisions because – uh, states like Florida, states like California, and a few others. If you go back to our NCAA image and likeness episode, we discuss how these states, and among a few others, this summer will be transitioning to allowing their their student athletes to accept monetary gain from their name, from their image, and from their likeness, which if the NCAA doesn't make the smart decision, which is pave a pathway for everyone to do it the same way, which would allow for those states to rescind their laws and and rework it and allow the NCAA to do it, then you're going to have a shift. You're going to have a shift of... There's going to be players that, sure, they're still going to choose their Dukes and their Carolinas and their Kentuckys because of the the brand, the name on the jersey. But then you're going to see a lot of these athletes, which I understand, especially given where some of these athletes come from and come up from, choose a team like UCLA totally. or the Florida Gators or Florida State because it's about their brand. It's going to be Florida they versus can Florida make, State in the finals every single NCAA, even in hockey. Right. It's so going to be Florida versus Florida State in hockey. So if you're a true Sports fan, you don't want to see that happen. You want to see the NCAA make the smart decision, which is find a way for everyone to be involved. Because then this pays pathways for the swimmer to make up his own. He can have his own business or own own camps, but exactly. it be the UCLA the brand. Camp. So yeah. there's mutual benefit to gain here. Sure. I don't understand why they wouldn't, but that would change the landscape. So between those two things, which we're going to see change this summer, you're going to see the landscape, of course, of the NBA change regardless, but you're also going to see a significant change in the NCAA, especially depending on what their decision is. So oh, yeah. oh, we yeah. can only hope that Personally, I'd rather them just go back to 18 in the NBA because you're going to, sure, I'm going to miss seeing those Jason Tatums and those those Zion Williamsons and, and those Anthony Davises and Kevin Durant. I'm going to miss seeing that in college because it brings a level of excitement having that highly touted prospect potentially be able to say they were a Duke Blue Devil their whole career, but, Texas Longhorn. You know, but I liked watching I'm, the Nolan Smiths and the John I'm Shires. also going to enjoy seeing... <laughs> a little bit more longevity game, and I think that's going to help the college game yeah. because you lose the, the the exciting player, but then you kind of even the field to get a little bit more because those recruits mean something different. It's going to allow those players coming from those teams to be more ready for the NBA and better talented players too because if I'm a 
you know, a three or four star guy coming into college and every year they recruit a five star guy to play in my position. By the time I'm a senior, I might get to play like Jordan Goldwire yeah. and consider playing a fifth year yeah. or well doing his super senior year so he right. can play his fourth year. I might be still a three or four star guy coming out of college as opposed to guys like say JJ Reddick who came into college as like a three or four star depending on the list. And because he he wasn't long, he wasn't very fast, but he had a skill set that he developed intensively over four years and now is still a, a stable guy in the NBA. And and guys like Hansborough, I mean, Hansborough wasn't a, a hugely successful NBA player and is, is no longer playing in the NBA, but he had a pretty long and stable NBA He was NBA fun to watch in the Just because he had four years of college that he played every single night. And by the time you're done with college at that point, a three-star guy can become right. upper four, maybe even five, depending on, on their just raw talent and, right. and, their, and their hard work. So I think it'd be great to get back to that. And, and that would be, it'd be fun for all of us because it's hard to it gets a little exhausting to pull for a team that you have to research every almost every starter on right. the team every single year before the season starts knowing that you're only going to watch him for like 30 games if you're lucky right so what you're telling me for our long-term dropping the ball fans in about five to ten years when we're still pumping these episodes out yep. we're going to need to make another episode to update everyone on how this is going. And then Duke will be the best ever, yeah. Exactly. Then we can say it, but uh, not yet. Exactly. We can't say it yet, but give it a couple years unless those contracts hit, and then we'll, then we'll know. Yeah, that's the truth. So, so so that's it for us today, really. We've, we've gotten through most of our stuff. I guess now we want to we wanna remind you guys about some of the stuff we have coming up. Right, so we have a couple more of our video series coming out. We're going to be doing a National League and American League preview much like we did last year only this year it does feel like we just did that only this year it'll be video cast and so that'll be a little bit more fun for us i think so and then we're also hoping to work towards getting a formal podcast episode revolving around the great tiger woods as we all know he recently suffered some pretty gruesome injuries so prayers out to him and his family and hopefully he can recover because i'd love to see him go out there and playing golf till he's 55 but we'll see. But yeah. other than that, you know, just kind of keep a lookout on our Ladoru media page, but more more specifically the Drop in the Ball group page. Of course, you can email us at droppingtheballpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at dropping under the score the ball, no G. And that'll give you a chance to follow along, find out, make sure you tell us what you feel about our episode today, do you think that maybe we could have shifted around the Carolinas and the UCLAs and put them higher, or did we get it right on the money? Yeah, I, I, think, that's, uh, I think that's it for us today. If you guys want to go check out the In Pursuit of Knowledge, we're going to be coming out with a new episode on the Jared Diamond book, Guns, Germs, and Steel, in the next week or so. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And otherwise, have a good one. Enjoy this nice spring weather if you have that. And we'll be talking to you soon. Stay safe and catch you next time.